Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Familiar verse of scripture to some, maybe. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So rejoice always, pray without ceasing, so pray continually, rejoice continually. And then verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So somebody said, well, I, I don't know the will of God for my life. Well, you know part of it right here. It says this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God. What is that? In everything to give thanks. In everything. In everything. Amen. See, it's the everything that sometimes trips us up. If it just said, give thanks sometime when you feel like it, we'd all have it made. Look at the Amplified version of uh, verse 18. It says, in every situation, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Notice, it's not just that it, it is God's will for us to give thanks. It says, in every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks, for this is the will of God for you. I think everybody knows that to some measure we're supposed to give thanks and we're supposed to be thankful, and that's why... You know, some of these things, honestly, when you cover it, people go, okay, you know, Thanksgiving message or whatever. It doesn't really matter what we've heard or what we think in a little bit of a, a section. It's actually, you know, to this degree, which we can all come up, how much of us actually are practicing giving thanks in every situation because that's God's will for us to continually give thanks because that brings about certain things in our life. Giving thanks once in a while, now, I don't claim to have arrived, I don't know anybody that has, but we can all come up, just giving thanks when it's appropriate, or when um, we feel good about it, uh, feel good about life, um, that doesn't really reap the same benefit. To the degree that we give thanks, the closer we are to giving thanks always, um, the closer we are to that, the more benefit we're going to receive from it. The more benefit that we're going to receive in our life, it's not a religious exercise. It's actually determining how our lives go and actually determines partially our perspective. Being thankful helps us to center up on the reality of where we are and the possibilities of where we can go. I'm going to say that again. Being thankful helps us, uh, to, us to center up on the reality of where we are and the possibilities of where we can go. So you might, somebody might say, well, I, I thought, you know, the reality may be the negative. How does being thankful in a situation help me to see the reality of my situation? Here's the thing. We, if we're Christians, 
our realities, I'm talking about truth that transcends um, everything, transcends circumstance, transcends conditions, that is determined by God's word and what he's provided. In other words, that truth supersedes whatever the transient, quote-unquote, reality or circumstance or situation is in our life. And so if we're thankful and we give thanks in situations, even if they're not ideal, even because those are the times that you're challenged not to do it, right? When everything's going hunky-dory, I mean, you could still not be thankful. That's a whole other thing. I mean, you, you should be thankful then, but the real challenge is to be thankful continually. Well, when the circumstance doesn't look like it, when the circumstance isn't right, being thankful helps to center us back up on what reality and truth is regardless of what we're experiencing at the time. Because it's real easy to start when you focus on things that are negative, complaining, being unthankful, then it focuses our attention on what we don't have or what didn't happen. Did you hear me? This didn't happen. This isn't going right. And when I'm not thankful for what is true, I'm, I'm naturally going to gravitate to the things that aren't quite right. And I'm going to have help, supernatural help, because there's an enemy that tries to push us away from God. We're going to have help to focus on the wrong things and to discount God's higher truth in our situation. So if we're thankful, we're actually bringing ourselves back to the true reality of our situation in Christ and not the false situation that we can arrive at, or this false perspective that we can arrive at through complaining, the pity party perspective, the, the perspective that nothing is going right, or because of something that went wrong, that somehow I can't have a good life and I can't experience God's goodness. That's a lie. Being thankful actually cuts through that and brings us back and, and makes us focus our attention on what is actually good. Now, that naturally, could be naturally, you know, what are the things? I mean, there's things in the world that people have derived from truth that's in the Bible that, that do hold up. You know, for instance, count your blessings. That's biblical. People in the natural will say that. They'll just say, well, you know, it's better to focus on the positive than the negative. That's true. Now, that's true regardless. But for the Christian, how much more is it true for what we have in Christ and what he's done and what he can do in our situation, no matter what it looks like? See, we, we have more than just a superficial focus on the positive and, you know, eliminate the negative and, and don't mess with Mr. In-Between and all that stuff. That might help you in the natural to a degree, but we're talking about something much deeper than that. And, and we have to understand that there is a spiritual element to everything we're dealing with in life and that when 
God says in His Word, be thankful. My, my will for you is, is to be thankful in everything. It's not just a religious exercise so we can get a gold star with God that, ooh, we were thankful in a situation. It actually changes our perspective. It puts our focus on what is true, what we actually do have. What God has done. You know, because you can look at, if you're not careful, you start looking at the wrong thing, that becomes magnified, the things that didn't go right or aren't going right or aren't exactly where we'd want it. You look at that, that can become so big that it seems like nothing is right. That's a bad place to be, but that's, that's not true. Even if you looked in the circumstance and said, well, this is true. What does the word of God say? What does the Word of God say about our situation? See, if we're thankful, number one, for what He has done in our life, what he, if you don't, have, you don't think you have anything to be thankful for, if you're a Christian, you can just start being thankful that you know Jesus and that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And no matter what's going on on this earth, there will come a day when all this is going to be in your rearview mirror and you will spend eternity in the presence of Almighty God. You can start there. And if you're a Christian, you have, that can keep you busy all day. And if we'll start there with what we know, then it'll lead to other things that know. Well, and there is this and there is this. You can look at, you, you maybe have to mine for it. Sometimes it feels like, you know, you have to look harder for the good than you do for the negative because the negative just pops out so easy just to, that's not right, this is not right. And, you know, to be honest, uh, just naturally speaking, um, that's easier for, like, where I've, I've been geared for in my life, you know. I, I, it's easier for me to see the negative just naturally than it is the positive. You know, I have a, a training, I have training as a software engineer, education as a software engineer, you know, over 20 years of experience uh, writing software and managing software teams. And, you know, the thing about writing software is you're dealing with a computer. You're actually communicating with a computer or a computer chip, and the computer chip doesn't care what your intentions is. It only cares about what you actually gave it for instruction. Which means if you have 500,000 lines of software code and one of them is wrong, which there's always one of them that's wrong in some degree, bugs are never completely gone, but if one of them is wrong, it's going to do the wrong thing in certain instances regardless of your intent. So part of your job is finding what's wrong. That's what, you know, you have to think like that in order to be a good engineer. Well... I was trained like that. I mean, it's easy for me to find what's wrong. (laughs) Come into a room. It's easy. Well, that's wrong, that's wrong, you know, whatever. I have to push back on that. I have to work to find, to, to, to do what we're talking about today. I'm just talking about naturally. Just to be thankful for what God is doing, what is right. Because you can go off just in the weeds and be like, well, this is wrong, this is wrong, and pretty soon it seems like everything's wrong. And that's not true. I'm going to say it again. That's not true. If you're a Christian, it's definitely not true. And so it's a, it's a discipline, it's an exercise that all of us can do in every situation. You're not talking about some religious connotation, religious connotation. 
um, thing that people make up that like, well, let's just thank God for the good in this situation. Somehow God is, you know, it's a tragedy. God's working his good in it. God can work good out of a situation. That doesn't mean he orchestrated the bad situation. Those are two different things. So don't, don't get into this, you know, because that's religion. People think they have to thank God after some tragedy because, after all, it's God's will. That's not God's will. God's will is not evil, ever. So don't, we're not talking about that. Well, thank God God's ways are higher than his way, our ways. Is that true? Yes, it's not a right application to start then impugning God with evil. But in the middle of situations that you walk through on this earth, you, you hit a negative situation, stuff doesn't go quite right, the, everything in your life isn't lined up perfectly. Now, in, see, that's what this scripture says. Go ahead and put it up um, in the CEV. First, First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Whatever happens, keep thanking God because of Christ Jesus. This is what God wants you to do. You know, the New King James said, In everything, give thanks. In everything. Whatever happens... Whatever happens, everybody say, whatever happens. Say it again. Whatever happens. Say it with emphasis on whatever. Whatever happens, you do what? Keep thanking God. Well, that's in the big things of life and just throughout the day. Whatever happens. Whatever happens. Whatever happens. Whatever happens, what? Keep thanking God. This is what God wants you to do, or this is God's will. So God's will is, no matter what the situation, whatever happens, whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, keep thanking Him. That's going to keep us centered up on Him. Do you see, a situation can get you to try to, you start going over here. But if you'll thank God, you, it just centers you right back to, well, God's still a good God, and He's got a way out. He's got a way through, he's still here, and he's done this, this, this. See, that'll center you. It's, it's like a buffer against whatever happens in life. It's like bumpers. You know, we've talked about it. How many of you played candle pin bowl, bowling with the little balls? Here, let me see your hands. Hold them up high. Some of you haven't. You know, it's a, just a northeast thing. Not the, big, not the big bowling balls, the 10-pin bowling. They're both 10-pin, but whatever. It's called 10-pin you know, with the big balls, and then you got the candle pin bowling. Well, when we go and play, I'm sure they have that 10 pin too. You know, we started playing when our kids are little. So we played with the bumpers up, you know, on, on the sides of the lane. And that's how we'd start to play. As the kids grew up, we, th- we were pretty used to that, and we thought this is a pretty good way to play. It helps us. We're going to keep playing that way. So regardless, when we go play bu- candle pin bowling, we have the bumpers up. I don't care if it's all adults. Well, what does that do? You're going off into the ditch, into the alley there, but it saves you, bounces you back into the middle. You know what I'm talking about? And then if you, you go too far that way, it bounces you back in the middle. That's like praising God. That's like thanking Him. You feel like this situation's going over here, that'll put you right back where you need to be. No, God is still good. I'm thankful for this. I'm, it's, it, it gets a pressure. If anybody tells you it's, it's easy... It's not easy, but it's simple. It can be done. If we complain and are unthankful, then it focuses our attention on what we don't have, what we can't do, what didn't happen. 
Don't ever focus on those things because it goes nowhere. In fact, I mean, it goes somewhere and it's bad. It goes nowhere good. It puts us in a prison that we can't get out of because of things out of our control. The past is out of your control. Did you hear me? No, we're, again, we're not talking about you know, people it, religiously will say, well, it's just, you know, if you can't, if it's something that happens, just be thankful, you know, for God for doing it. He's working some out. No, because we live in a fallen world and stuff that is totally not the will of God can happen. So we're not talking about that. But if something has happened, it's out of your control to change the past. There may be circumstances that you're dealing with that are out of your control physically to change. We're talking about apart from prayer. So you you have to go and go to God. And part of that is you're going to thank him anyway. That takes you out of the prison of feeling like there's nothing you can do because of something that's already happened or didn't happen. That, if, you, if we'll stay there, that can lead to depression and it skews our reality, making the thing that did or did not happen or the circumstance bigger than God. And that's never true. God always has a way. Philippians 4, 6. Familiar verse. I want you to see this in context with this other part. 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Doesn't that sound like what we read before? In everything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But notice that second part of that. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So you're praying. That's like 1 Thessalonians where it said, pray without ceasing. Here it says, in everything, by prayer and supplication. So same thing. With thanksgiving. So thanksgiving is in there. Thanksgiving's in there. Thanksgiving's in there. Not just praying and going to God. And prayer is talking to God. And there's different types of prayer. But not just going to God and telling Him about all the things that are wrong and how it's bad. He already knows all that. We have to have the thanksgiving with it. That's what keeps us checked on His reality and His truth. And there's faith there. You know, sometimes you have to just thank God in faith. Many times you're going to have to thank God in faith because you don't see things yet or you, if you go in by circumstance, all you want to do is sit down and cry. But you can thank Him anyway in faith. Thank God. Thank you, Lord, that Your Word is true and you don't feel like His Word is true. You don't see His Word is true. If you're going by circumstance, you would say it's not true. You're thanking Him what? Thanking Him for what He has done. Thanking Him for what He's going to do. What His truth says. According to what He said, this is true. So that means even though I'm here, this can change. That has to have an element of faith in it. That's sometimes the fastest way to get in faith is just to start thanking God. Do you see how, this is why if we're thanking God continually, it's going to help us to stay centered up on truth, stay in faith, keep going forward, and not get sidetracked by the stuff that happens in life. Because stuff happens in life. 
It's what we're going to do with it that counts. Are we, are we going to act like, <clears throat> for the Christians, see, some people get this idea that if you're a Christian and if you've heard uh, the teaching on faith, that nothing, you will never have a challenge in your life. That's not true. And so if a challenge happens in their life, they, people automatically start thinking, what did I do wrong? What, and and what, what did I do to ha- make this happen? Instead of, okay, this came up, what does the word of God ca- say about it? And how am I going to go through to the other side? God, what's your plan to bring me out? See, they take it as they're defeated already because if this happened, it's an indication that I failed rather than this is a challenge in life. There are challenges in life and I'm going to go to God so we can go over. Because the first way you're defeated already, you're looking for why you're taking the circumstance as defeat instead of taking the circumstance as another chance to prove God's truth. So if you thank God now, you thank him right now, you're saying, well, so something bad happens, you go to thanking him, not for it. You're thanking him for who he is, what he's done, what, what his truth is, what he said he would do, and thanking him that he's showing you and leading you and guiding you. Well, that's a different thing. That keeps you centered up. Let's look at a few examples in the scripture. A couple examples of Jesus, and I believe we'll look at another one. But John 6, verse 1. This is the feeding of the 5,000. It says, in verse 1, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his, saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the, the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. A denarii was like a day's wage. You're talking like 200 days wages. That every one of them may have a little. So Philip says, yeah, 200 days wages, it's not enough to feed everybody that they could just have a little bit. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. So just the men were 5,000, not including women and children. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks... Now notice, he's praying over the food, but the first thing he's doing, he's giving thanks. Now don't let this be a religious exercise. Well, he's just praying over the food. But he's giving thanks as part of it. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks. It does tell us to give thanks um, over our food. But that's not, shouldn't be just a religious exercise. I mean, you don't know what's in your food. How could be, can you want to bless it and sanctify it? Yes, you're giving thanks that God has provided. Here, Jesus, he's going to give thanks to God. This isn't your routine meal. He's expecting a miracle. And he's going, in this situation, 
Well, it's Jesus, of course. Jesus was a man that is God, but he, the Bible says he emptied of himself of his mighty uh, glory and power. On the earth, he's acting, he's walking as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, not as God that just does everything unilaterally. He is walking, being led by the Spirit of God as an example for us. He just told Philip, or he, he told, he asked Philip a question and said it was to test them. And it, you know, he said, in a different place, why don't you give him something to eat? He was showing them what to do. So Jesus is in a situation where there's a challenge. I think sometimes we just go, well, it's Jesus. It's just going to happen. We already know the story. We know what's going to happen. This is just like as if it's all predetermined. Of course they're going to have enough food from this little lunch to feed all these people. Well, of course, because it's Jesus. It's not obvious if you're reading the story and you never heard it before that that's about, that's what's going to happen. And in our lives, when we come up against something, if you see it the way God sees it, it's obvious that he can bring you through it. It's just as obvious as this situation. But we come up against it and we're like, well, I don't, I don't know. And if we go, well, what about this or what about that? We're going in the wrong direction. What we need to do is come before God and say, well, God, I thank you. It said in everything, pray. Pray without ceasing and everything, give thanks. Jesus is not just praying and beg God. He is giving thanks for the food and thanking God. And then he sees the provision. So we can thank God in the middle of something that looks like you might feel like just like this, that there, there's something ahead in front of you that you need a miracle this substantial in order to keep going. And, and Jesus is showing us he came to God, he thanked God, and then they saw a miracle. It says, Jesus took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples... Uh, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, and, as, and, and uh, as much as they wanted. So when they were all filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, so nothing is lost. So everybody was filled, everybody ate. We know in the natural that's impossible, but God is the same God as he is here, and he's able to do this if we'll cooperate with him. See, sometimes if we're going to do the wrong thing and look at the wrong thing, we're not going to be there for the miracle because we've started going off away from God, away from believing Him, away from His actual plan. And so we're sidelined. And even though it's what God wants us to do, we're not there because we have been distracted. When all we have to do, part of what's going to keep us on is just believing or, or thanking Him, thanking Him in spite thanking him in the face of, thanking him in every situation, no matter what, that's going to keep us centered up. Let's look at John 11, verse 20, uh, 38. So this is the, the account of Lazarus, who was a friend of Jesus. And if you know the story, we're not going to take time to, to read the whole story. But Lazarus was sick. You know, Jesus knew his family uh, and knew his sisters. And 
he didn't come right away to save Lazarus. They told him he was sick, and he didn't come right away, and when he came, Lazarus is dead. So this is when Jesus is coming. So he comes, and we're just going to pick it up in verse 20, or um, verse 38, sorry. It says, then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. So this guy is dead. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He's in the face of a dead guy. And the first thing he does is he's saying, God, God, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse 42, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people that are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Jesus, in the midst of this, the first thing he did, he said, God, Lord or Father, I thank you that you hear me. I thank you. I, in, the pro, in the face of somebody that physically needs to be raised from the dead, he still thanked God. He wasn't thanking God that Lazarus was dead. He was thanking God that in spite of that, God hears him. And what he's about to do and what he's about to say, God is going to move. So if you're up against a problem, one thing you can do is say, God, I thank you. You hear me. You know, God hears you. Sometimes, you know, the enemy will try to get convince you that God doesn't hear you. He doesn't see you. No, the father sees all his children. He hears us. And so our job is to respond in faith and to believe that he hears us. It's not about whether you feel like he hears you. You know he hears. Jesus is saying, I thank you, you hear me. I'm saying this for the people around me because I know it. And I know what I say you're going to do. And so he wasn't sidetracked by, any, by someone that was dead. Look at Acts 27, verse 21. Now, this is, gives some back, we'll uh, give a little bit of backstory. The Apostle Paul is on a, uh, a ship, and he's going to see Caesar, but he's on a ship with a bunch of people. They're, they're wanting to go a certain way, and he warns them against it, saying it's not going to go well if you go that way. But the captain of the ship was, well, I think we should go this way. And so they went that way anyway, and they run into a lot of problems. Storm. Problems in the ship or, you know, at sea. And so it gets to the place where these people, they don't believe they're going to be saved. They don't believe um, anything is going to, uh, they're going to come through. They have been out there being tossed around by the storm, storms for all this time. And so Paul in verse 21 addresses them. It says, but after long abstinence from food, so they're not eating. Then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me. Okay. 
You know, sometimes you tell yourself that, I should have listened. Don't raise your hand. But just to yourself, have you ever had something that you did that you knew it wasn't a good idea, but you overrode, you did it anyway, or maybe it wasn't completely obvious to you at the time, you had a sneaking suspicion, but it came clear to you in the process of time that it definitely wasn't a good idea. Again, don't raise your hand. We're just thinking, we're just processing on the inside. But regardless of how it came to be, it's now in the past, which means you can't do anything about it. And so you've come to know that it should have been different. And it maybe could have been different. Now, that can be a bitter pill to swallow because, you know, you can stay right there and that can sidetrack you for years. Not the rest of your life. If you keep going over how you should have done something different, even though you can't do anything about it. You can't go back. So now not only did you miss it or messed up somehow then, but now you're being held hostage by what you did then and you're messing up whatever life you have now going forward because you're back here. There's a better way. So regardless of what you did, there's still a way out if we'll look to God. And that's what Paul is saying. He, he, he says, look, Men, you should have listened to me and not sailed from Crete and incurred the disaster and loss. Shouldn't have done it. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you. So he's still saying there is hope, but only of the ship. He's saying, look, there's not going to be any loss of life, but the ship's going to be lost. Verse 23, for there stood by me this night an angel of the God by whom, or to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. So he's saying, God has told me this. We're going to make it. But, let's, but you need to do what I'm telling you to do now. But I believe that it, excuse me, that it will be just as God told me. Now skip down to verse 33. And as uh, day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. Now notice, verse 35, And when he had said these, these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. Notice, he didn't, again, he's praying over his food, but he's thanking God in the middle of a storm that could have killed them many times over, and they're not out of the woods yet. But he is thanking God so many times. See, don't let this be too light, because in our life, we can get to the place where we think we're, it's too much of an emergency to take time to thank God, or to, I'll be thankful once I get done, and after the storm has stopped, and 
That's not true. What we need to do is in the middle of it, thank God for what he's doing and where he's bringing us right now. Not that he's orchestrating the storm, but to thank him in the middle of it. See, that shows an approach. See, Paul is the one that wrote 1 Thessalonians and Philippians, and he's the one that said, pray always, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. And here he is in the middle of a storm that's been going on all this time. They could have lost their life, and he, in the middle of that, he's giving thanks to God, acknowledging him. And he's giving that as an example to everybody around him. Us giving thanks in the middle of it is when, that's, that's when push comes to shove. You don't feel like it, you're like, man, we don't have time. Let's get to the other side. I don't have anybody, anything to be thankful about. Have you looked around? I'll be thankful when God gets us out of this mess. But he's doing the opposite. He's thanking God in the middle of the mess. Not for the mess, but in the middle of the mess, because he's serving a God that can get us out of the mess. And so that's what we do. Paul said, he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken uh, or he began to eat, then they were encouraged and took food for themselves. And there was 276 persons on the ship. So all these people are going in the same direction as Paul because Paul is giving an example of what to do in the middle of the storm, which is when it counts the most. We'll close with this. Colossians 3, verse 17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do in word or deed. Does that sound like in everything, in every situation, all the time? Whatever we're doing, we are doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus, but we're giving thanks. We're giving thanks. We're giving thanks. That acts as a buffer to keep us in reality. That, can get, that keeps us centered up on the reality that there is a spirit realm. There is a God in heaven. There is a spirit of God within us. There are angels working on our behalf. And regardless of what it looks like, we're thanking God for all he has done, all he will do, who he is, all the things he's provided in Christ. And that just, that's, that's this buffer, keeping us straight, keeping us with God, keeping us in victory. He's faithful. He's faithful. Faithful. And this is one way we just say centered up so we can see that faithfulness. Amen.